0: Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, continuing our journey uh, through 1 Corinthians. Has this time been a blessing to you guys? Have you seen and heard some things different from past times that you've read and looked at this text? I know I certainly have, and I thank God for him giving us grace and showering us with his grace and his mercy uh, by opening the text to us. and in ways that we haven't previously seen or thought of. Show of hands, who has seen Disney's Encanto? All right, we got some witnesses here. Uh, (laughs) For anyone who may not be uh, familiar, it's an animated movie, and I know some of you probably don't watch animated movies, especially if you don't have kids or haven't had kids, Uh, but it was released Uh, Last year by Walt Disney Studios, late last year, I'm thinking October, November, uh, and a great movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, In true Disney form, you get great scenery, you get a great story, diverse, bold characters, and you get lots and lots of singing because it's Disney, right? So they got lots of songs uh, in the movie. The movie tells the story of the family, the Madrigal who live hidden in the mountains of Colombia in a magical house in a vibrant town in a wondrous, charmed place called Encanto. The magic of the Encanto has blessed every child in the family with a unique gift from super strength to the power to heal. There's a a shapeshifter in the family, one who has... Super hearing, another who controls the weather, uh, another who controls nature, one who even sees the future, and another who can speak to animals. So there's a little bit something in there for everybody. Every child in the family received a gift, all except one, Mirabelle, the main character of the movie. And because she seemingly had no gift, uh, she was oftentimes uh, ridiculed and even sometimes ostracized by the matriarch of the family. And that's what really gives you the struggle throughout the entire movie is how she's treated by the family. The encanto, the magic, the thing that supposedly made the family special was in danger. And it was believed that it was because of Mirabel, because she had no gift or seemingly had no gift. And so they thought she was the reason that the magic of the family was fading. What's ultimately revealed is that uh, uh, the magic halls weren't magical because of the gifts. The true magic behind the family was that they were a family. The beauty displayed through their diversity and the diversity of their gifting was a result of their unity, not their gifting. And it wasn't until all of the family uh, was embraced, those who were obviously gifted, the ones whose gift didn't seem to quite fit in. And the one whose gift was, wasn't so obvious. That's when the magic of the magic calls began to flourish again. Concerning the nature of spiritual gifts and offices and their place in the church, Paul instructs the Corinthians that God sovereignly gifts all believers. He gifts believers for the building up of the church that no believer has no gift, that no one believer has all the gifts, and that ultimately it isn't about the gifts. It's about the family. It's about the church, the body of Christ. And Paul has been insanely consistent in this message over the last several chapters. Concerning rights and what's lawful, what's the motivating factor behind deciding how we operate? It's the family, the church. Concerning meat offered to idols, what's the motivating, motivating factor in deciding how we operate? Family. Concerning the Lord's Supper in chapter 11, why did Paul give such a stern correction? Why could he not commend them in their practice of this sacrament? It's because of their disregard for one another, their disregard for family. In this first part of chapter 12, concerning spiritual gifts, Paul gives an incomplete listing of gifts. And says in verse 7 that each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what purpose? For what purpose? The common good. The manifestation, the gifting is given for the good of the family. Are y'all seeing a theme here? As we look at our text this morning, we'll see a certain unity. A design diversity. And a common dependence. Unity, diversity, dependence. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We begin reading at verse 12. Just as a body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, hand to the the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts that seem to be weaker, seem to be weaker, are indispensable. if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. A certain unity. If you've been around City Light any length of time, you've heard either Pastor Brian or myself say, the church is not like a family. The church is family. Y'all know this. One of the greatest enemies of family is division. Division. Again, if you've seen Disney's Encanto, you've seen this play out, not just with the grandmother and Mirabelle, but with the character Bruno as well. I even wrote a song about it. Kids, you know it, right? You don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. I got a witness. You heard this even blasting all over social media. When I first heard it, I was like, yeah, I'm tired of hearing about Bruno Mars, I missed it. I watched a movie and I missed it. They're talking about the character Bruno. Paul has spent a larger part of the last chapters talking about body life, basically is what he's been talking about. Instructing the Corinthians on how they should treat one another and correcting them when they fail to treat one another as they should. The Corinthian church was a very divided church. Those words, of course, are being uh, uh, an oxymoron right? Because the body is one, the church is one. And yet when we look at the church in Corinth, we see division everywhere. We see division in doctrine. We see division in practice. We see division in worship. Even when it came to the gifts, as we come to chapter 12 here, we see division And the spirit, the spirit apportions the gifts individually as he wills. And yet there is division over something they had no control over what they received, right? We don't want to gloss over the fact that there are real differences present. Paul is speaking to a church full of people from different backgrounds, different nationalities, different cultures, different upbringings. And when you take all those distinctions and add to them different gifts, it made for a very challenging environment as Paul stands and calls them to unity. One of our values here at City Light Church is universal unity. We are called by the Spirit of God to pursue a unity that transcends all barriers. And if you look around, like Corinth, there are some distinctions here, right? There are people who don't look like you, who probably didn't vote like you. They don't listen to the same music as you. We've we've certainly cleared that. Don't eat the same foods as you. Don't watch the same movies as you. People of different ages and different upbringings. And as Pastor Brian mentioned earlier this week, people who have different views and experiences as it relates to the topic of spiritual gifts but that's not the problem. The differences are not the problem. The problem for the Corinthians and what would be a problem for us is when uh, or if those differences are brought into the church and placed above the unity that scripture calls us to. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For just as the body is one, And has many members, all the members of the body, though many are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink one spirit. Using the body, our physical, natural body, Paul illustrates that we, the church, the body of Christ, like our natural bodies, although we have many members, different parts, all of those different parts make up one body. Having given this illustration, Paul then says, So it is with Christ. Our body, our body, our natural body, has many members, but our one body. Christ has many members, but one body. Christ and the church form one body, of which Christ is the head. One vine, of which we are the branches, according to John 15. One building of which we are the living stones. How does this oneness take place? What's the source of the unity that we share in Christ? Look with me at verse 13. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. How does this oneness happen? It happens by baptism. But not a simple water baptism. Water baptism does not make you a believer. Amen. Some of you can probably attest to that fact. You may have yourself been among those uh, uh, who got baptized before they became believers. I was baptized before I became a believer. So naturally, when there was some oneness with Christ, what happened? I got baptized again. First one didn't count. There was no conversion, no change, no oneness with Christ. When Jesus and Nicodemus was having the conversation about being born again in John 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We don't experience oneness with Christ through flesh. And that includes, excuse me, a fleshly decision to go to the water for baptism. We experience oneness with Christ through the Spirit. For in one Spirit, we are all baptized into one body. The church, the spiritual body of Christ is formed as believers are immersed by Christ with the Spirit. In Matthew 3, as he is pointing to Christ, he says in verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Romans 8 and 15, for you do not, did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Paul's point here is to emphasize the unity of believers comes through baptism and by witness of the Spirit of God not by the flesh. But I don't want us to miss that unity does not mean uniformity. Amen. Amen. We are different for a reason. We are diverse by God's design. Look with me at verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. It seems odd that Paul would begin by saying, you are one, you are one, you are one, and yet come to verse 14 and say, but you're different. You're many. But it's a much more difficult task to gather all of those distinctions in a common goal in the flesh. If you look around again, look around this room and take note of all the differences represented, you will find yourself hard pressed to find a reason that we would all be gathered here at this time under the same roof. But why are we here? Because we were all baptized in one spirit, all a part of God's body. And so we are here in all of our beautiful diversity, different races, different backgrounds, different passions, different giftings, different burdens, ages, and skill sets. I found out this week, I'm glad my brother is here this morning. I thought they were going to be out, but I found out this past week that our dear brother, my dear brother, Jonathan, Jonathan's story, wave at the people, Jonathan. <laughs> my brother does math related activities for fun, <laughs> for fun. You have to know me and math to really get how much of a difference that is between me and my brother. But in having that conversation with them, you know what I found out? I found out that his difference can serve me in areas where I'm weak. And that's exactly what our differences are meant to do. Expose those in need and expose those who are equipped to meet those needs. Different is good. If we were that church, this is the part where I would tell you to turn to your neighbor and say, Neighbor... I'm different. Amen. But we're not that church. One commentary shares this: "The fact then that you are very different from other members of the church is no reason for supposing that you do not belong to the body of Christ. The ear is very different from the eye. It can detect neither form nor color. It cannot enjoy a landscape or welcome a friend. But if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not a part of the body, is it not, therefore, not part of the body? Is it not, on the contrary, its very diversity from the eye that makes it a welcomed addition to the body, enriching its capabilities and enlarging its usefulness? It is not by comparison with other people that we can tell whether we belong to the body of Christ, nor is it our function in the body that determine anything, excuse me, which some other member is doing. The very difficulty we find in adjusting ourselves to others and in finding any already existing Christian work to which we can give ourselves is a hint that we have the opportunity of adding to the church's efficiency. The church can claim to be perfect only when, hear this, only when she embraces the most diversely gifted individuals and allows the tastes, instincts, and aptitudes of all to be used in her work. Why? Why is this something that we should embrace wholeheartedly? Verse 18 answers the question. As it is, God arranged the members, each one of them, as he chose. You are not here at City Light Church because you decided to come to City Light Church. You are here because God chose you to be a member here. He arranged and he is arranging and will continue to arrange until the work that he has for this body is fulfilled. We are diverse by his design. But here's the thing, because it's easy for me to say I'm different. Again, a scripture has been pointing out, you know, I'm this, I'm not that, so I don't belong. But our difference is not meant for our independence, but our dependence, our interdependence. Amen? Amen. Common interdependence. Look with me at verse 21. We'll read our last set of verses here. But God has so composed the body, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another. If one member suffer, all suffer together. If one is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Back in the day, I'm treading carefully here, my wife and I would have any conversation that even touched remotely anything regarding headship or submission. You can hear a pen. My wife would say to me at some point during that conversation, you might be the head, but I'm the neck. (laughs) She didn't say it like that. I, I exaggerate when I tell stories. And as I was looking at this text, I could think of no greater illustration for this point than that. You might be the head, but I'm the neck. What was she saying to me in that moment? She she could have been being a little sassy. I don't know. I can't speculate. I can't speak to her heart, right? But what she's saying is, look, we need each other. You can't do it by yourself, and I can't do it by myself, right? The I cannot say to the head, I have no need of you, or in, that, or in this case, the head to the neck. Thank God for a head and a neck, amen. amen? Parts of one and the same body, parts that are meant to fulfill different functions in one and the same body. Parts that only find and fulfill their purpose while performing their respective roles in one and the same body. The head can send signals to the neck all day long to turn to the right. But if there's no neck, what happens? Nothing. The neck can hold the power and ability to turn the head to the right all day long. But if there's no head to send the signal, what happens? Nothing. This highlights the fact that while we are individuals, we are not independent of each other. We need each other. No one can say that they have no need of anyone else. No one is an island. No one person does it all. Everyone has something to contribute and whatever you are doing for the Lord is useful and the rest of the body is depending on you to do it. Trust me, I know, I know, again, if you've been around here any, any length of time, you know how I feel sometimes. I know how easy it is to feel that you either have nothing to contribute or that what you bring to the table is insignificant compared to what someone else is doing. Amen. But our first mistake is in comparing ourselves to each other. To anyone else, God arranged the parts of the body as he chose. Each one of them as he chose. That's God's word. You can turn in your Bible and see it. Our second mistake is in devaluing what God has created, arranged, gifted, and chosen. You are created in the image and likeness of God. You are chosen to be here. He arranged the body for you to be here, not just here at City Light Church, but in the body universal, right? Because the church is not like a family. The church is family, right? He has chosen you. And yet, even in our self doubt, God has us in mind and has made provision for us and wants us to know that we are in no way less than. Verse 22 On the contrary, the parts that seem to be weaker. Again, if you're looking at yourself and you're saying, Man, I can't do it like this person, or you know what, I'm just not gifted like that person, seem to be weaker on those parts that we think less honorable, we think they're less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our, our unpresentable parts, that are treat, they are treated, excuse me, with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts don't require. God so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it that there may be no division in the body. There are no little eyes when it comes to those created in the image and likeness of God. The question is not in my value. The question is, will I submit what God has given me for his glory and for the good of the body, the gifts, the manifestation we're given for the common good, right? The question is not, can I be used? The question is, will I position myself, will I yield myself to be used? You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. As we close, I want to share some thoughts from a pastor, Greg Warren. I saw it and I thought it was extremely hilarious and I wanted to share it with you. This is a conversation between some of the organs in the body. As you listen to these words, I want you to hear and understand that no one else can do what God has assigned you to do what he has arranged you and chosen you in the body to fulfill. Here's Pastor Greg. The church is called the body of Christ. Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever thought about what would it be like if the members of our physical body behave like the members of the spiritual body, how they do sometimes? This is the heart. You know, I'm stuck in a rut. For the last 45 years, all I do is beat and beat, loved up, loved up, loved up. I'm tired of it. It's time for someone else to step up and do this job. Okay, feet, it's up to you. You pump the blood. Lungs. We are so underappreciated around here. I don't think the other organs realize that they couldn't do their jobs without us. If we quit doing our job for a few minutes, Everyone will finally see how valuable we are to this place. The brain thinks he's big stuff? Hmm, let him do without some oxygen for a while and we'll see how important he is. Liver. Why do I get all the dirty work? You think it's fun making bowel I've been in this body for 45 years now, and do you think anyone has ever asked me to make any decisions, pump any blood, or perform any functions that are noticeable outside the body? Sometimes I wonder why I bother. The appendix. (laughs) Just watch the rest of those organs work. Day after day, hour after hour, they work themselves to death. I'm just along for the ride. Why contribute when I can just sit here and get the same nutrients and oxygen they get? Why get involved? You get the idea? The point is that the individual parts make up our bodies were created specifically for certain tasks within the body as a whole. The body works as a finely tuned machine when all the parts do what they were uniquely gifted to do. There are no unimportant parts Accept the appendix. Don't be an appendix in your church. End quote. I don't think we have a problem with unity here at City Light. We all have a good grasp on the gospel and the work of the spirit. So I don't think oneness is our issue. I don't think we have a problem with diversity. Again, you can just... Look around the room. You wouldn't be here if you had an issue with diversity. Here's where I think we stumble. I think we stumble where interdependence is concerned. I think we stumble when we look at the the fact that God has called every part of the body to labor. If you've been here, again, any length of time, you've heard somebody say family has chores, right? I know my wife wishes I would do a little more around the house. Family has chores. I'm sorry, baby, calling myself out. But family has chores. There are some of us here who who have buried our talent in the sand. You've been here... And you've been playing the role of the appendix. And I'm not saying this to anybody's shame, right? I'm saying this to encourage you. Again, I know how it feels to be hesitant to jump in. When Crawford told us he was planting, Crawford, what did I tell you? We just gonna come and sit. Didn't I say that? Amen. Who has seen me come and sit a Sunday we've been here? When I had no voice, he had me leading worship. When I threw my back out, he set a stool up here so I could preach from it. (laughs) Come on. Family has chores. There's something for everybody to be doing, and the only way that we're going to answer the call that God has given to this church is if every part of the body is playing its role. Amen? So I pray, and I encourage you as I encourage myself, submit yourself to the work that God is doing in this body. Whatever that party is, whatever party is calling you to play, submit it to God. We talked about unpresentable parts, parts inside the body, parts outside of the body. There are people doing things that I don't even know about across the week to make Sunday happen. You don't have to be up in front of everybody, but you should be doing something. Don't be an appendix. Pastor Greg, say, don't be an appendix. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray, family. Father, we thank you for this day. We give